in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask for your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Mary ponders what Jesus does in her heart. As Mary and Joseph were returning from Jerusalem, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. They went ahead in the family convoy, supposing that Jesus was with one of the other families. It seems this was a custom. But after some time, they began to look for him, and they did not find him. And so they were forced to return to Jerusalem, and they went to the temple, and there they found him. Three days he was gone, and he had not said anything to them about his intentions. He had let them go ahead and then worry and turn back and make that long journey back. When his parents saw him in the temple, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he responded with words that would seem to be harsh. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Mary and Joseph had not done wrong. And here the Blessed Virgin had reacted in the way that a good mother would have reacted, expressing her anxiety, asking why. Mary and Joseph knew who Jesus was but they did not understand. They did not understand his actions, his response. In retrospect, we understand a bit better. The Lord's priority was to do the will of his Father, to be at the service of God even before his close family. And the three days, the sorrow of having lost him, the joy of having found him again, all of this was symbolic of his death and burial and resurrection. After this, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And St. Luke rounds off the chapter with yet another of those phrases that contain so much in so few words. He tells us simply that Mary, the mother of the Lord, kept all these things in her heart. She recorded these events, the details on her memory, and she must have had a very good memory, being a mother. Mothers have double memory capacity to recall the events of their lives and the events of the lives of their children. It's yet another privilege that nature gives them. Perhaps it sounds more like a duty. Mary would have recorded the events of the life of her son on her memory. And being free of sin, her mind was clearer than that of any other person, aside from Christ. She recorded these things and thought often about them, wanting to understand, wanting to give thanks to God, wanting to atone on behalf of humanity. It's reasonable to think that this was her habitual way, to observe in silence, to remember, to learn. 
Pope Francis says in a homily of 2016, Mary helps us to understand what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Her first act was to listen to God. She followed Jesus, listening to every word that issued from his lips. She kept all those things in her heart and became like the living memory of the signs worked by God's Son to awaken our faith. But it is not enough simply to listen. That is certainly the first step. But listening then needs to be translated into concrete action. The Pope says she became like the living memory of the life of her son, the living memory of the marvelous work of God in Christ. Mary had the privilege of observing Christ at home in Nazareth, the enviable privilege of observing him closely. We do not have exactly that privilege. But Lord, we do have the Gospel, that marvelous book that you left us, so that in it we could find you, so that in it, through it, we could observe you. We do have the Eucharist in which to find him, in which to observe him. We do have access to him in our prayer, where he does speak to us, and then through the events of our ordinary day. Looking at Mary as we do now during this time of prayer, we are reminded that God our Lord wants the same of us. He wants for each one of us to be people who observe and ponder things calmly and deeply in our hearts, not superficial people. Saint Josemaria writes in Friends of God, let us try to imitate her talking to our Lord, conversing like two people in love about everything that happens to us, even the most insignificant incidents. Nor should we forget that we have to weigh them, consider their value, and see them with the eyes of faith in order to discover the will of God. There is a lot to be discovered if we learn to look at things with a contemplative spirit. If we learn to pause and look at things calmly, weighing them, considering their value, seeing them with the eyes of faith, as St. Josemaria says. God speaks to us through the ordinary events of our day. If, as scripture says, the sky and nature manifest the Creator, the things we mostly take for granted because we're so used to them, if these things speak to us of God, we could even say if they shout to us about the intelligence and the magnificence of the Creator, then the same regarding the events of our lives, the daily happenings. It's as though the voice of God were some kind of sound frequency always in the air, everywhere, in everything. It's not directly perceptible. You have to tune your ears to it if you want to catch it. You have to tune the ears of your soul and to listen. One day you may catch it and you may be amazed to realize how it changes things, the new meaning that it gives to them. It was always there, but you just didn't catch it before. You were used to the usual sounds until you discovered this new frequency. Listening is a good habit worth cultivating. 
especially the habit of seeking and tuning to God's frequency. It changes the way we see things. And to get there, we need some kind of interior calm, some interior silence. If we are full of noise inside, it blocks out everything else, and we easily become superficial people, always staying at the surface, never considering things deeply enough. To hear God, we need interior silence. The Lord doesn't usually shout, although he may sometimes, but normally he speaks softly. And sometimes he speaks to us precisely, paradoxically, in silence. Cardinal Robert Sara, in his book, The Power of Silence, is asked about the mystery of the silence of God, so hard for us to accept, especially in moments when we are faced with evil and we want answers. Perhaps the question that we all ask ourselves in such moments is, where is God? Why does he not do something? Why is he silent? Does he not care? And Cardinal Sarah says, the silence of God can be understood through faith. It is a mysterious revelation. God is not insensitive to evil. At first sight, we might think that God permits evil to destroy us. But even though God keeps silent, he is not far from our suffering. He suffers no less than we do the evil that tears and disfigures the earth. If we make the effort to stay close to him in silence, we will understand his presence and his love. And Cardinal Sarah tells of a certain seven-year-old Muslim child whose story left a strong impact on him. Even now I still hear the anguished cry of that boy who, with eyes full of tears, complained in this way. Does Allah exist? Why has he allowed them to kill my father? Why did he not do anything to prevent this crime? In his mysterious silence, God shows himself in the tears shed by that child who suffers, and not, on the contrary, in the cruel world that causes such tears. God has his own mysterious way of being close to us through our trials. External manifestations are not always the best proof of closeness. Sometimes the friends farthest from us are the ones closest to us, and this does not impede them loving us truly in their hearts. Parents do not spend all the hours of their lives beside their children, and this does not mean they care less for their children. Our daily experiences, the ones that may seem to have nothing to do with God, can be a channel for us to discover him. This is where we have to tune our ears to discover the God frequency during moments of prayer, but also at the workplace, in the relationships with our friends and family, in our resting, and even in our having fun precisely there. But also, and this may not seem so easy, in our pain, in our anguish and distress. The key is for us to have a contemplative spirit, a spirit of prayer, which obviously doesn't mean spending the whole day in church, but rather living our day in God's presence, wherever we are, whatever we are doing. God may seem to be silent, 
but it doesn't mean he's ignoring us. Cardinal Sarah says in that book, It seems to me evident that the person who does not pray will never be capable of understanding the silent word of God. When we are in love, we perceive even the slightest gesture of the person we love. And the same thing happens with prayer. If we have the custom of praying, if we pray frequently, we will capture the meaning of the silences of God. There are certain signs that only people in love are capable of capturing. And similarly, only the person of frequent prayer is capable of capturing God's silent signs of affection. As the Cardinal says, the key is love. Fall in love with God. Fall in love with His will. Seek His presence, especially in silent moments of prayer, alone with Him, just you and Him. And you will begin to capture the signs, the meaning of His silent words. You will find some reply to the problem of pain and suffering, the problem that we all grapple with somehow, the question of why, why me, why now? C.S. Lewis says in his book, The Problem of Pain, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God allows us to go through pain in our lives. He doesn't cause it because he doesn't do evil. He allows it, and he does so, among other reasons, to wake us up as C.S. Lewis says, when we get distracted. Lewis points out that pain can be effective. It's impossible to ignore. We can rest contentedly, he says, in our sins and in our follies. And anyone who has watched gluttons shoveling down the most exquisite foods as if they did not know what they were eating will admit that we can ignore even pleasure. But pain insists upon being attended to. It is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God our Lord will do all that it takes to help his children, even allow them to suffer pain and to cry. But he will allow all of this for their good because he wants to bring good out of it. Fall in love with God. Fall in love with his will. Seek his presence especially in silent moments of prayer, alone with him, just you and him, and you will begin to capture the signs, the meaning of his silent words. Take time to pause and to meditate. You will find meaning for your pain and suffering, and you will be capable of helping others to find meaning as well for their pain and suffering. You will no longer react angrily and rebelliously to setbacks and humiliation, and illness. Rather, you will take them calmly, supernaturally, like a child of God in the hands of a loving Father, whom you trust. And you will find yourself imitating the Blessed Virgin Mary. She was that calm and peaceful woman who pondered things in her heart. When the child Jesus stayed behind in the temple of Jerusalem and Mary and Joseph turned back looking for him, they found him and Mary asked him, Son, why have you done this to us? 
your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he responded with those seemingly harsh words. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Mary and Joseph had not done wrong, and their reaction was what we would have expected of good parents. Mary and Joseph knew who Jesus was, but they did not understand his actions, his response. Mary meditated on this and on everything else that happened. We call her the Virgin Most Prudent. This is yet another title that we give to her in the Litany of the Rosary. The lady who ponders things and thinks things over calmly. She is not in a hurry to act. She is not shallow, superficial in her words and actions, in her thoughts. Those words of the child Jesus must have occupied her mind. Jesus was, as we can imagine, an obedient child, and he must have been very respectful and polite in the way he related with Mary and Joseph, whom he loved a lot. But on this occasion, after he had deliberately stayed behind, leaving them to worry and to turn back looking for him, he seemed to be harsh in his words. Mary must have thought long about all of this. She was that kind of person, intelligent, sensitive, humble. Perhaps she would have brought it up again later, after many years, with him in conversation to ask him for clarification. She thinks deeply about things. She is prudent, which means she is wise. She is the kind of person who does not speak much. The kind of person who is not talkative. Not that there is anything wrong with being talkative. She doesn't speak much. She is not careless with words. But when she does speak, she has everyone's attention. It helps for us to be like this, to be prudent. Grant us, O oh Lord, to be like the Virgin most prudent. This means learning to be calm learning to think seriously about our life experiences. We can discover a lot if we once in a while stop and think, or if we learn to think while we move and to tune to God's frequency so that we can see things in his light, under his guidance. We can draw a lot from ordinary life, thinking, for example, about our actions and words, our thoughts themselves, Thinking about pain, thinking about how we normally react to it, how we should react to it. Thinking about the actions of other people, how they affect us for better, pulling us up for worse, bringing us down. Thinking about the lifestyle proposed to us by Christ our Lord. Thinking about the example that we see in our mother in this particular scene. As we end, we place these desires and resolutions in the hands of our Mother, the Blessed Virgin, asking her to intercede on our behalf before God such that they may bear fruit, they may help us to be more like her. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations which you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask 
for your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.